0: RadioInfluence.com
1: This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill.
0: Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, and today is Tuesday, April the 10th, 2018. And that means in just two days, it will be my mother's birthday. Now, I don't want to embarrass her and tell her age, uh, but I do want to take this time right now on this show, at the very start of this show, to wish my mother a very happy birthday. Uh, I, I can truly say that I honestly would not be the man that I am if it had not been for my mother, Alice Faye Hill, AKA Alice Faye Bruton, her maiden name, hailing all the way from the big country of Tallahassee, Florida. And I got to tell you, coming up, you know, my dad being military, my mom decided to stay at home with me and my brother uh, to make sure that we were on the right track. And, uh, you know, she did a, an outstanding job. And, you know, everything I do, you know, whether it's on radio, TV, In my career, everything I do, I I can honestly say that I owe to her. And, you know, she had a conversation with me maybe about a month ago. Um, She said she was talking to some church members and they were asking her, hey, you know, how did your your sons get to be so successful? You know, my brother, he's uh, a dean at University of Texas. He's out in Colleen. You know, he's been doing his thing for quite a while, you know. Uh, not to toot my own horn, you know, the Fox News, the uh, Datelines, the ID Discoveries, everything that I do in TV, radio, uh, and in print, you know, I've got books out there. Uh, so people were just asking, you know, how did your young men, young black men at that become so successful? So when my mother asked me that question, she said, why do you think it is that you became so successful that you always wanted more out of life. And I said, Well, I attribute that to you and not not in the sense that I was scared that you'd whip my butt if I acted up because I was a boy. I was a hard headed boy and trust me, I acted up as boys do. But the one thing I told her is and to this day it's true, I never wanted her to be disappointed in me. So anything I did I wanted to be the best. Anything I set my eyes on, I wanted to accomplish so my mother wouldn't be disappointed in me. And I, I really hope that she can say when she leaves this earth or if I leave this earth before her, I really hope she can say that I didn't let her down and she was never disappointed in me. But I want you guys to please wish my mother, Alice Hill, a very, very happy birthday. Now, for many of us, spring break is over. Uh, my son got back in town. This past Sunday, he was in Tennessee after our cruise. He was with his mom. Spring break's over. It's back to business as usual. And, of course, when I say back to business, for many of us, that means, hey, you've had a week off. Your kids have had a week off of school. You went to vacation. You went to Disney. You went to Universal. You went to the beach. You sat on your couch. You picked your nose. Whatever you did during your vacation That's what you did. But now spring break, for the most part, around this country is over and people are back to work. Well, it got me to thinking, right? In policing, there's no breaks. There's no off-season. There's no season finale. It's constant business. And I was reading over the headlines on PoliceOne.com, as I always do, and I came across this story uh, that took place Uh, just a few days ago out in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And people are in an uproar about this arrest out in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, And one article actually says Texas cops caught on video beating man during arrest. And it talks about how they repeatedly, repeatedly beat this black man. uh, And it was all unjustified. And now, of course, It's this big racial situation going on in Fort Worth, Texas. Well, I'm going to debunk the entire thing and give you the backstory and tell you why the chief, who some people described as black, but his last name is Ramirez, but he could be black. I don't know why the chief is supporting his officers. Well, let's debunk the whole racial thing right off the bat. Yes, it was a black suspect subject, if you will. One of the officers that was seen on the video and he was not beating him repeatedly was a black male. The other officer was white and then other officers arrived for backup because they were not able to detain the suspect using the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. Now, it could have gone a different way and he could have been. Tased or he could have been sprayed or he could have been possibly shot. And then, oh, my God, what we, we've we had. But let me give you the backstory. So police are called because this individual was on K2. I don't even know what that is, but apparently it's a drug. So uh, paramedics were called to tend to this individual. This individual decides to his name is Forrest Curry. No relation that I know of to Steph Curry. But anyway, uh, he decides to start swinging and attacking the EMTs. Now, when I was in patrol, occasionally someone under the influence would attack EMTs. We would have to go out. We'd have to restrain the individual because that is assault. That is an assault on an official because the EMTs usually are appointed. The EMTs sometimes work for the city, so it is an assault on an official or if they're not appointed or assigned to the city, it's still an assault. So police get a call. They show up. Duh. So as they show up, they attempt to make the arrest for the assault. Mr. Curry decides to flee. Well, that has now turned to two crimes because you've assaulted a few individuals And then you flee from police. So there's another crime. So what did police do? They give chase. They catch him. And what does he do in the video that was released? It's about 14 minutes. Some of it is cell phone video. Some of it is body cam video. Great. Thankfully, a lot of it is body cam video. But he flees. They catch him. He actively resists arrest. And when I say actively, I mean actively. Actively. He's rolling. He's refusing to put his hands behind his back. He's doing all of this stuff. Every time they'd grab his hand, he'd stiff up, tighten up. More officers are called. They finally get him cuffed after several minutes. And in the background, you can hear people, you don't got to fucking do him like that. Why y'all treating him like that? This is some bullshit. This is some bullshit. Well, here's what I say to that. What the bullshit was, was Mr. Curry should have complied with the commands. Put his hands behind his back and gone ahead with the arrest, but he didn't do it. Now, in the video, yes, you can see one of the officers do a strike, which appears to be to the back of the head. You can see another officer with his knee in his back. All of those, contrary to all of those sidewalk lawyers who were screaming all of that to the police, all of those are legal because... The use of force continuum says you can do it. There's nothing illegal or excessive force wise about placing your knee in someone's back that is actively resisting arrest. There is nothing illegal or excessive by using soft, empty hand strikes to try to restrain your suspect to affect the arrest. So this goes on for several minutes. He's finally cuffed. They put him on the gurney. He's he's taken to jail for assault, resisting, and probably a few other charges. And you'd think that would be the end of it, but no. Some people decided to march. But the chief came out and immediately released this footage. Because he says he supports his officers because... What he saw, and this is from the quote from the chief, as you can see, he's resisting the whole time. The officers showed a lot of restraint. They are young officers and did what we expected them to do. This shows what the officers were actually dealing with. So what he's saying is when he said this shows what the officers were actually dealing with, this wasn't a case of Police, and again, I've said it time and time again, I'll say it again on this show, police just don't show up, get out of the car, start beating black people, start punching them, kicking them, shooting them, killing them, and then go home and eat tacos. It doesn't work that way. Police were called. They had a legal right to be there. He fled. He resisted, actively resisted. They used the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. That's why the chief is saying this shows what the officers were actually dealing with. It wasn't a case of excessive force. It wasn't a racial case. They just called the police because this guy was assaulting them. And I assure you, I'm going to go out on a limb and say if it was a white guy that was assaulting them, they would have called the police and they would have shown up. And if the white guy would have reacted the same way, then their actions probably Would have been the same way. Now, keep in mind, one of the officers that was heavily involved in this arrest was black. And a lot of people don't understand when you're under the influence of a narcotic, whatever this K2 is, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up for my own well-being. When you're under the influence of a narcotic, you get Incredible Hulk type strength. Like not the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk, but the Incredible Hulk on the Avengers, the really, 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 really big one. You get that kind of strength when you're under the influence of a narcotic. I don't know if I've shared this story on this program, but one time when I was in patrol and we were were attempting to arrest a guy in a stolen car, it took six of us to get him under control because he was under the influence of a narcotic. I fought one guy for 20 minutes who didn't feel a thing because he was under the influence of a narcotic. So all of these sidewalk attorneys, all these sidewalk Benjamin Crumps out there who were, oh, this is some bullshit. Y'all don't have to treat that man like that. Uh, I'm going to go get his auntie. I'm going to go get. I don't care. You can go get his auntie. But if his auntie was smart, she'd tell him, put your hands behind your back. And stop acting like a fool. So all of these sidewalk attorneys who think they know what's going on, they have no clue. And I'm so glad, so, so, so glad that this chief, Chief Ramirez, decided to step up and support his officers. He didn't throw his officers under the bus. He stood up and said, hey, my guys did exactly what they're trained to do. They did what is by the book, and I see no fault in what they did. Now, people can march, they can protest, they can do whatever they want. But while they're doing that, I urge them to learn the law. Now, during this whole 14-minute video, I could only hear one person, which appeared to be a female, in the background saying, just put your hands behind your back, and they'll stop. So out of all of those sidewalk attorneys, she appeared to be the only person with common sense telling this guy, Forrest Curry, just put your hands behind your back and they will stop. Hey, there's a noble idea. Compliance. If I put my hands behind my back, they will stop putting their knee in my back. Hmm. Two plus two equals four. If I put one hand behind my back and the other hand behind my back, how many hands do I have behind my back? It's simple math. So I do want to make one correction to this entire story. So this chief uh, Ramirez is actually the assistant chief. The chief of police there is Joel Fitzgerald. So I assume that's the black chief that people are saying, I can't believe he's supporting these officers He should be more compassionate since it was a black man. Well, maybe because that chief understands, again, the law and the use of force continuum. And he saw his officers dealing with the combative subject. I'm just saying. So I want to switch gears and talk about a uh, shooting that happened up in New York, my second home, uh, NYPD. Uh, They recently released video of a man pointing a metal object Which appeared to be a gun right before a fatal officer involved shooting. And speaking of New York, I want to send a quick shout out to Rachel Lee up in Brooklyn. She's an avid listener of Beyond the Bad. She listened to the show last week about my segment uh, dealing with domestic violence and policing. She's actually a social worker up in the New York area. And, you know, she and I messaged back and forth about domestic violence. Uh, You know, it's a very serious situation. Not only and police but you know in any family domestic violence is very serious so if you are a victim or if you know a victim please make sure you report it don't let it be a silent killer and i also want to send a special shout out to don in pato springs georgia who is also a very avid listener to the show and she messaged me and uh, thanked me for sharing my story about my experience with domestic violence and you know i think it's just a small part again of being able to tell your story to help someone else out and that's what it's all about when you're dealing with domestic violence everybody has a story whether you were a victim you were an aggressor or an abuser or if you know someone uh, who's dealing with domestic violence again it is a silent killer but don't let it be your silent killer You know, report it, report it to people like Rachel Lee, who are social workers who deal with this type of things. Make sure you report it. So, Rachel, I I appreciate you sharing those stories. And I know having uh, traveled back and forth recently to New York, I know you guys up there are ready for some spring weather. I know there was some snow up there uh, a couple of weeks ago that kind of postponed an opening uh, game for one of the baseball teams up there. So I know the city of New York is ready for some springtime. And speaking of springtime, my friends over at ruggeddepot.com are kicking off their spring inventory blowout sale. Call 833 Rugged 3 to save thousands of dollars when you upgrade your mobile data terminals. Rugged Depot has FZ-M1s in stock starting at $1,100. The FZ-M1 is a 7-inch, Fully Rugged touchpad that is a perfect device for ticket writing, in-car computing, and report writing. And I got to tell you, I speak from experience that saves time in the field. If tablets aren't your style, but saving money is, Rugged Depot has CF-54 light model starting at $1399. The CF-54 is the best computer for law enforcement agencies on the market. This is your chance to upgrade your fleet and get the most out of your budget. Not only does Rugged Depot have the best prices on tough books, they also have deals on Panasonic security cameras. Get the latest Dynamic HD Dome Network camera at 15% off while supplies last. No more waiting four to six weeks from Panasonic. Just call 833-RUGGED-3 and have your order shipped today. That number, once again, is 833 rugged 3 or go to ruggeddepot.com and type BADGE in the chat box. All right, switching gears, going back out to New York. So, there was a shooting that happened in Brooklyn this past Wednesday. Uh, A 34-year-old male, Saeed Vassal Vassal, V-A-S-S-E-L-L, excuse me if I said that wrong. Uh, Was shot and killed by police. And of course, it sparked outrage throughout the community. Uh, There were some protests up in Brooklyn about this shooting. Um, And, you know, when I was reading over this story, one thing that came to mind to me, one case in particular, was the Michael Brown case. And the reason I say that um, was, you know, the whole case, in my opinion, of Michael Brown why Officer Darren Wilson was acquitted uh, of any charges besides the physical evidence. uh, When this went to the the grand jury, you know, you had to look at the totality of the evidence and look at the things that Michael Brown was doing prior to him being killed. And in this instance, uh, this individual who was 34 years old and according to his father mentally ill uh, was seen uh by several people pointing a metal object which they believe to be was uh, a gun uh at several people uh, i don't know if he is pretending to rob them or whatever but i'm looking as we speak at a still photo of this individual pointing what in this photo to me looks like a silver plated gun at an individual and the individual has his back or he's facing the wall uh And he's kind of crouching down like, hey, dude, please, whatever, don't shoot me. So I assume that this individual he's pointing this object at thought it was a gun. So as the story usually goes, police got a 911 call about this individual approaching people armed with a gun. So, of course, police show up again, not racial. There's a guy pointing a gun. At people. Oh, well, me as a police officer need to go protect and serve. I don't have time to say, oh, is the individual black? Would he prefer a black officer show up? Oh, can we dispatch the closest black officer? We don't have time to do that in police work. We as police have to protect and serve. There are victims calling in saying that this individual is pointing a gun at them. So police arrive. Guess what he does? He points The metal object at the police. Now, police are trained to watch hands and movements, hands and movements, hands and movements. So when you're 10, 12 feet away and you see a metal shiny object pointed at you and the stance of a gun, after you've gotten calls of an individual with a gun, guess what you're going to think it is in that split second? A gun. You're not going to look at this guy and say, well, he's black. And I really shouldn't shoot him. You're not going to look at this guy and say he could be mentally disturbed. And I really shouldn't shoot him because that goes out the window. The second you're met with deadly force, whether he's mentally disturbed, whether he's an alien, whether he's men in black, all of that goes out of the window once you're met with what you perceive as deadly force. So he points this gun or he points his object at the officers. They shoot and kill him. Come to find out. It was a a metal pipe or some kind of metal object. Now, his father's upset. The city's upset. The city of Brooklyn. Uh, His father says that uh, his son had previously worked as a welder. Okay. Nothing against his father. I understand he lost his son, but I previously worked at Bojangles Chicken. So if I came out with chicken... Leg that I pointed at the officer in the dark and they shot me. You think my dad's going to say, Well, he previously worked at Bojangle's Chicken. No. What does him having worked as a welder have to do with what the officers perceived at that exact moment? And more importantly, those officers did not know anything about this individual. So there's people in the community that say, Oh, they should have known he was mentally ill. All the local cops know he's mentally ill but uh, Mayor Bill DiBaggio says that he didn't lay blame on the officers who were not from the local precinct and were passing through at the time. They had no information on the person that they were confronting uh, that he was mentally ill. Uh, You know, that's great that the mayor stepped up and said that, but again, it goes back to my point that I made a second ago. It wouldn't have mattered if whoever showed up Whether it was Billy Bob from the local precinct that knew this guy, when they got the call about a guy with the gun pointing the gun at people, and when they pointed the object at the officers, which they thought was a gun, they would have reacted the same way. They don't have time to say, hold up, man, let me call you a mental health advisor. Hold up, man. Did you take your medicine today? Hold up, man. Are you hearing voices right now? Because while you're talking, let's say it's a real gun. He's not talking. He's shooting. So you don't have time to do that. So the officers shot at least 10 times. Some people say it's excessive. I say you got two officers that are trained to shoot until the threat is eliminated. Uh, I assume both officers were shooting. Hmm. Half in one, half in the other. I know based on my training that I'm trained to shoot until the threat is eliminated. Which means it's on the ground, it's not moving. Now some people will say 10 shots are excessive. Other people that have had this training will say no. That was strictly by the book. Just like First Forrest Curry who was resisting arrest. Although it was written up that he was beat repeatedly by police. Well, people in this job that know what they're doing, that know what the law says, knows that those officers did what they were supposed to do by the book. Just like in this situation in New York, it's no different uh, based on what they were faced with at the time, the totality of the evidence. If you look at again, let me go back to Michael Brown. If You look at Michael Brown in the nine minutes before he died. He's seen on video robbing a store, being violent to the clerk, pushing the clerk out of the way, which is an assault. Then he's told by the same officer who later killed him, hey, get out of the street. He bucked the system and didn't listen to those commands. So when that went to the grand jury and you see Michael Brown committing a crime, committing another crime, disobeying a lawful order, what do you think the jury's mindset was? When they had to come to that conclusion, it had nothing to do with color. It had to do with the totality of the evidence. And when you look at the totality of the evidence uh, regarding the shooting in, in Brooklyn, it didn't have anything to do with color. Here's what it had to do with. Someone called 911, just like in Michael Brown's case. Hey, a robbery just happened at this store. Someone called 911 and said, there's an individual dressed like this who is pointing a gun at several people. Police responded based on a call of a man with a gun. And then that said man pointed what the officers in that split second believed to be a gun. Now, I've been searching for the 911 call, but all I can find is a transcript. Now, one of the callers, now, keep in mind, there were several callers that said, uh, there's a guy in a brown jacket walking around pointing I don't know uh, then it says in parentheses to someone else so I assume he was asking someone else what is he pointing in people's faces? They say it's a gun. It's silver. Now, I'm watching surveillance footage right now again as we speak and what I'm looking at, that looks like a gun to me. He pointed it at the guy I mentioned that was kind of squatted down, and then he goes on to point it at a lady's head while she's walking with her little boy. And she quickly runs away. So in her mind, she's thinking, this guy just pulled a gun on me and my son. Then he pointed it at someone and put it directly in their chest. I'm watching this video. Now he's pointing it at a car and pretending to shoot. And at this point, that's where the responding officers show up. And guess what they do as he's pretending to shoot? They shoot because they were told by several people, a man with a gun, they encounter the guy that fits the description to a T. He points an object at them in a defensive shooting stance and they shoot. And we can have this debate that he was mentally ill. His dad says he's been uh, hospitalized several times for psychiatric problems. Some involving encounters with the police. And they should not train them to kill. They should train them to protect life, to save life. Well, that is the number one function of a police officer to protect and serve. And the life you're talking about saving were those other potential victims where he was pointing this metal object at. Granted, it wasn't a gun this time, but what's to say the next time, if his dad's saying he's mentally ill, it wouldn't have been a gun and he would have shot someone. Or let me flip the script for just a second. Now, anybody that knows me knows I don't leave home without my pistol. Now, let's just say he came across someone in the Brooklyn area, who was like, who the fuck are you to pull a gun on me? And they would have shot him. Would this had even been a story? No, it wouldn't have. But considering it was police doing their job, now all of a sudden it's a story. Now all of a sudden it's a protest. It reminds me of that old Biggie Smalls song, you're nobody till somebody kills you. You're nobody till some and you're nobody till the police kill you, because had he just come across Joe Blow, Little Mo, Little Pookie or anybody in Brooklyn and they pulled a gun on him because they thought he was pulling a gun on them and then shot and killed him. It would have made the front page. No, 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 it would have made page seven of the city paper and it just would have been another killing in the streets, of New York, and we would have moved on. Nobody would have known this guy's name, but because police were doing what they were sworn to do, protecting and serving, protecting all of those people that called 911, protecting that little, that, that lady and her little boy who he pointed this thing at right at her head, which she thought was a gun. Now it's a problem. Now he's mentally ill. Now his dad says he shouldn't have died. Now his mom says he's come from a good home. Maybe he did come from a good home, but. The facts don't change. The officers were met with what they perceived to be deadly force by the suspect's actions, not by the suspect's color, not by the suspect's economic status, not by what he was wearing. But based on his actions, the officers were presented what they perceived to be deadly force. In that exact moment. So people are going to protest. People are going to march. But when it comes down to this, if this goes to trial or if they try to get an indictment by a grand jury, these officers will be cleared of this shooting. And then people will say it had to do with race. And it's all about the black man. But I've done the numbers already. I know how many white people have been shot and killed by police this year. And trust me, it exceeds how many black people have been shot and killed by police this year. So let's throw that bull crap out of the equation. What it has to do with is the law of the land, the use of force continuum, protecting and serving the split second decision of those officers being able to articulate that they believed there was an imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury by this individual. And it's clear as clear as can be. And if you watch this video, if you watch the video, and I'll, I'll spell the guy's name out so you can pull it up so you can see all of this surveillance footage, you'll see what I see. His name, again, Saheed S-A-H-E-E-D, Vassell V-A-S-S-E-L-L. Just Google it. I'm sure the videos will pop up. You be the judge. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. I'm the same on Instagram, at Vincent Hill TV. You can DM me there. But when you watch this, when you see what I see, and you look at the totality, the totality of everything, again, just like with Michael Brown, just like with Alton Sterling, just like with Freddie Gray, white police officers did not just show up and say, you know what? I'm going to go kill one of them N-words. Nope. They got a 911 call of a guy pointing a gun at people. When you look at the video, you see a guy pointing what appears to be a gun at people. When police show up, you see the same guy caught on surveillance camera pointing that same object at police. You think police want to get, oh man, you know what? Let me walk up really, 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 really close so I can see If this is really a gun or not, hell no. Police don't do that. Yeah, man. Hold on, man. Hold on, man. Before I shoot you, man. Hold on, man. I'm going to walk up really close to you. Let me get next to you right quick. Let me look at that, man. Oh, man, that's nothing but a lead pipe, man. It's cool. It's cool. Nah, it doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Again, mental illness out the window when you're met with deadly force. A good home out the window when you're met with deadly force. I don't care if you were an altar boy, choir boy, band director, choir director, preacher at your church. I really don't care. When the officers met with what they believe to be deadly force, all of that goes out of the window. And I've said it time and time and time and time again until people realize that and until people realize start taking responsibility for their actions and start taking responsibility for their family members' actions, we'll always be having this never-ending debate about police treat the black person wrong and they only shoot black people. Because just like I talked about with the guy in Texas, Forrest uh, Curry, all of those sidewalk attorneys, Man, you don't got to treat him like this. This some bull. You don't got to do this. You don't got to do this. It was one person, one person in that entire crowd of about a 100 saying, just put your hands behind your back. Just put your hands behind your back and they'll stop. One person. I looked at this guy up in New York, Saheed, point a gun at at least, well, point this pipe at at least five people. And again, one, he put it right to his chest, right to his chest. That dude probably leaked a little urine out of himself. I'm just saying. You're standing there on the corner, mind your own business. Someone puts a silver object in your chest. He probably leaked some urine. I'm just saying. I watched it. You go watch it. Tell me what you think. Again, at Vincent Hill TV on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV on Instagram. Hit me up. Hey, stay in, stay in the vehicle. Stay in the vehicle. Stay in the vehicle. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Hey. Why you
1: want? Just fire. Just order. Pull yourself out.
0: Now, what you just heard was an actual traffic stop that happened uh, in Houston, Texas, just outside Houston, and the reason I played it, just to prove a point, and you probably haven't even heard this story, and i tell you why, because it was a white officer who just shot and killed a white-armed suspect. Now, mainstream media, had that been the other way around, and the officer was white and the individual shot was black. It would be all over the place, but it just proves my point that police don't see color when they come across a deadly threat. This guy pointed a gun at this police officer, and the police officer did exactly what he was trained to do. He didn't say, hold up, man. Let me get close to see if that gun is real. Hold up, man. Are you suffering from mental illness? Nope. The officer was met with deadly force. He responded with deadly force. The officer went home that night. And this, uh, Antonio Servarda, uh, who actually had four warrants for his arrest, uh, didn't quite make it home that night. And I guess they can clear those, uh, uh, those warrants, uh, based on his death. Now, I know that sounds cruel, but I'm just saying that to make a point. People get this misconception that, Police just have it out for the black community and nothing ever goes on in any other community. This was in suburban Texas. That's about as white as it can get. It, let's be honest. That's about as white as it can get. This shooting happened. It happened last month, but no one has heard about it. You haven't seen it on CNN. You haven't seen Benjamin Crump going down there. You haven't seen Al Sharpton, even though he's talking about this guy, Saheed, who was carrying a pipe, he's already marching about that. But you haven't heard about this because the mainstream media wants a certain demographic to believe that it only happens in a certain location and it only happens to a certain group of people. Don't believe the hype. In the illustrious words of flavor flav, don't believe the hype. All right, I'm just about out of time. I want to thank you for listening. But before I go, of course, it's customary that I do my 10-7 segment. And today I want to honor Special Agent Melissa S. Morrow. She was with the FBI, the United States Government Department of Justice. Her end of watch was March twenty-second, 2018. Special Agent Melissa Morrow died as a result of brain cancer that she developed following her assignment to the search and recovery efforts at the Pentagon following the 9-11 terrorist attacks. She was assigned to the FBI Washington field office evidence response team and spent 10 weeks recovering and processing evidence from the site in hazardous and contaminated conditions. Special Agent Merle had served with the FBI for 22 years and was assigned to the Kansas City field office at the time of her passing. She is survived by her parents and her sister. And it's it, it still to this day, and here we are 17 years later, it's still to this day, breaks my heart that people are still affected by the events of September 11, 2001. You have first responders who selfishly ran to that building To look for others who are still dying these many years later based on illnesses that they received from that terrorist attack. And if that doesn't make you remember that day, then I really don't know what will. I want to thank you for listening uh, to me tonight. I'll catch you same time, same place next week, 8 p.m. RadioInfluence.com. Again, follow me on Twitter at VincentHillTV. And on Instagram at Vincent Hill TV. Thank you, and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence.
1: When I'm seeing people snorting condoms, um, I just don't. I don't think I quite. I don't think I quite understand it. You're you're snorting condoms for what exactly? Uh, where were you? What was the situation where you first tried to do this? Uh, were you trying to kill yourself? I mean, what? What's the best thing comes out of storing a condom? I mean, what do you get out of it? I, from what I looks like on video, none of that looks like fun. I have seen people throwing up. I'm seeing people getting caught in their in their cavities, and that's not that's that's stupid. You know, we're we we're, we're we're doing things that can kill ourselves. It's hard enough to just live in this world without getting shot and we're snorting condoms.
0: You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and RadioInfluence.com.